little broken pieces. Oh, clearly, it's a political. It's a political problem. Um, but it's a political problem. It's a, a knowledge gap. You know that um, that I think that yeah. I mean, the problems. If you want to point out the problems, it's fine. I'm just. Uh, it's not where I'm focused. That's fine. Over the past three weeks here on Adriel versus the Oligarchs, we've been celebrating certain aspects of new campaigning, including new campaign technology that has been celebrated because it represents like a deeper and more interpersonal approach to campaigning, which is really having amazing success uh, on campaigns. Uh, and particularly, we you know, talking about the Bernie campaign with it. Uh, and then to have Kate Morrison last week talk about all of this and non-tech uh, campaigning communication as well as this sort of shifting paradigm. And so then this happens uh, and, it's, mm-hmm. and then that feeds into a lot of people's perception that the DNC and the, the you know, kind of this corporatist wing of the Democrats are, are donning the, these snidely whiplash mustaches and costumes and, you know, playing this kind of villainous role. And so let's, uh, let's talk about the app. Yeah, let's talk about the app. So my take on the last week, because there's been lots of takes on the app, is really that when you try to be too complex, you fail. And uh, it's like a lesson that no one seems to learn, especially when you have enough maybe money to have complexity. And also that we need to talk about the difference between misinformation, disinformation, asking for facts, asking questions, even making assertions, and what a lot of journalists like to call a conspiracy theory. Um, Because I've seen just an awful lot of punching down from journalists who are very smug, think they know it all, and this week has shown that no one knew anything. The craziest thing about this whole thing was not the app. It was the fact that the New York Times was predicting the winner all the way through and they had a needle like a nice graphic that like moved when they got new information and uh, late last night i think it was well after midnight eastern time it broke and when you know we say it broke they took it down because they realized that they had not factored in these satellite caucuses where people who had trouble getting to the neighborhood caucuses during the allotted time were able to cast their votes in the iowa caucus these satellite caucuses were heavily organized by Bernie Sanders. There'd been some pretty amazing uh, journalism about the Sanders organizers hanging out at the gates of meatpacking plants, waiting for uh, folks to come out and then having conversations day after day, making friends with them, going back to their apartments, meeting their friends, families, uh, and neighbors and getting those folks out to the polls. And those were the people who were not being counted. So what happened is on uh, Wednesday night, there was a, just a dramatic realignment of the predictions for the last uh, count out of Iowa. And I'm not going to go into the huge list of irregularities associated with Iowa. Tom Perez this morning, uh, as we're taping on Thursday, is calling for a re-canvas or basically a you know, start from the beginning, count everything over, like a, like a recount, but for a caucus. Um, shut up, and, Tom. Shut, <laughs> shut up, Shut Tom. up and stand down, Tom. <laughs> so what's really crazy is, one, 
the pushback because Sanders has an online army that is second only to Trump's online army. And I think we'll see how that stands once Sanders is in a general election. I think that we have we're better. Uh, the Sanders team operates. I, you know, it's like the, an irregular army. We're not led by uh, the campaign so much as led by our vision for a better world. And uh, you know, I've never worked for the Sanders campaign, but I support. Uh, I've supported him for a long, long time as a senator, and uh, supported him in the twenty. 16 primaries and now that the folks that are involved with this it's so much more mature we know what's going on and so what was awful to see is all these journalists punching down and then a lot of unfortunately i saw a lot of leftists talking about this without really having much knowledge about how these systems work and kind of like there's a lot of knee-jerk um reactions when somebody's fucking with your election right and right. this has looked incredibly bad there's some clear conflicts of interest with how the uh, app vendor was uh, selected it's just not cool there were payments from pete Buttigieg's campaign to the app developer their company so this was like called like an iowa reporter app and it was meant to help streamline the caucus reporting results there was uh, clearly a flaw in the software itself. But then last night, the New York Times uh, uh, analyst who was doing the projections, whose name's Nate Cohn, he actually apologized repeatedly. And uh, you kind of feel bad for the guy because he was saying, we, we, we messed up. We didn't realize that these satellite caucuses, which trend are going to trend heavily towards Sanders, were still out. And this is not like mistakes happen. And the craziest thing I can can say here, I am not like a big critic of acronym, which is the the big uh, kind of more establishment digital operation associated with the company called Shadow, which built this app, because I have a pack that's meant to beat Republicans. I want to beat Donald Trump. I give money on Patreon to as many creators as I can who I think are part of our movement, whether they're making a podcast or whether they're, uh, you know, doing graphic design work. You know, I have contractors who work for my firm. Like, I have a corporation and a PAC. What is kind of bizarre about the acronym situation is, is that you had acronym, which is a nonprofit, then uh, investing or owning other companies, owning a strategy firm that's owned by the same person as the nonprofit, and also a pack that's basically run by the same person, and and also a, a, a local news generating operation that's kind of creating fluff that you can feed to influence elections. Like all of this is now getting heavily scrutinized because of the failures in Iowa and just like the caucus itself had problems and is going to continue to have problems in terms of irregularities because these caucuses are run by parties and volunteers, not by professional nonpartisan election staff, you know, who have to answer to the public um, in, a, in a real way. Um, the complexities of having, uh, you know, a, an operation that's meant to, to fight Donald Trump and supposedly they're putting $75 million into this, you know, that they've raised uh, or are raising. Um, the complexity is, is what makes it look incredibly bad mm -hmm. and what makes it very hard for them to answer for what happened. Folks who should be doing a little bit better about transparency are out scrubbing 
are a lot better about transparency are out scrubbing records. And that's never a wise move. Like, I just right, don't know. Right. Like, and then Tom Perez calling for a re-canvas when the election results were not fully released and when they were about to flip to Sanders. Just, it's, it's just like unconscionable behavior. And I'm so ashamed of the Democratic Party. I'm so glad that I'm not a member of the Democratic Party. I left when the Senate confirmed Gina Haspel, the uh-huh. torturer to the head to, to run the CIA. I just don't think that... Um, these elites in the parties and in politics are doing us any favors. Um, and we'll talk more, you know, cause there's a lot about uh, Bloomberg that I think is worth talking about. He's got a hundred million dollar investments. I believe actually, excuse me. I don't know the exact number millions of dollars into this group called Hawkfish, which is his own digital operation. You know, he's pledging to stay involved all the way to November and now that Sanders has taken a convincing lead, he's leading by a huge margin in the prediction markets, predict it, where they- Yeah, I saw those yesterday. Uh, I mean, it's really just Really unbelievable. Uh, I mean- and, you know, We did not uh, think this could happen. You know, Anytime Nate Silver fesses up. So 538 is now predicting, uh, the last I saw, and uh, I saw one where he said that uh, we we're going to win every state for Sanders in the Super Tuesdays, uh, except- uh, Alabama, but later uh, I saw some reporting that indicates that that the model is now showing Sanders winning every single state. And this is just, um, we knew that it would take overwhelming force to challenge the Democratic establishment and say that socialists want uh, a government for the people, by the people, and of the people, uh, not of the elites, not of your buddies. Um, and I am grateful to Shadow for fucking up so spectacularly, uh, so early, and also to Tom Perez for showing his hand so early because it just shows anyone who's watching that this is not okay. This cannot continue. The NBC News and sort of the mainstream news, I'm reading from the NBC News site here, but sort of the mainstream news spin on this was uh, that the app was rushed. uh, And uh, so this story says the app was supposed to be the preferred method for caucus chairs to submit results, but only about a quarter did so. Uh, The majority of chairs opted to call in, jamming understaffed hotlines. Developers who were able to look at a version of the app that was made public said it suffered from two problems. First, a flaw in how it reported data meant that accurately recorded results weren't properly communicated. Uh, Back to the party, uh, the user experience made the app difficult to use. Uh, particularly because it required users to first download a separate app that developers often use to test new apps, and that proved a high barrier for many caucus chairs. So uh, the, the the spin on this is uh, that it was hastily uh, done and a poor app. Is that all true along with all of the sort of political dynamics that we're talking about? Yeah, you know, and again, like, I don't want to like, I don't think these people are like bad people. I do think that they were uh, in the tank for Pete Buttigieg, uh, whether they're actually part of the campaign to sandbag Bernie Sanders, I don't know, right? Because there is like, that's in it. When I say campaign to sandbag Bernie Sanders, they don't need to send you a memo, right? You know, like the people you get money from, like, this that guy, uh, there's big donors out there saying, I like everyone but Sanders. And then they give you that money. And what do you do with that money? What do you do with your staff? What kind of people do you hire? And the shadow debacle, what I see in it, so 
in 2016, I was the uh, president of a psychometrics data company. And we um, went to the Hillary Clinton campaign and we said, Trump has Cambridge Analytica. We can help you beat him. And they did, we talked to two top people in the Clinton campaign at two different occasions. And I'm sure there were other discussions, but I was privy to two of these. I was doing sales. And um, in one of them, they seemed to just want to figure out exactly what we were doing and how we were doing it. It felt like they wanted to rip it off. And, and I'll explain why I think that's relevant here uh, in a minute. And then the second thing was uh, they just kind of, you know, like, oh, this is great, this is great, this is great, you know, but they don't do anything. So the problem with technology and politics is, like, I was talking to uh, someone the other day about office politics, and, like, we, we, we talk about office politics as being, like, this noxious stuff we hate, right? It's called office politics because politics is noxious, right? And when you bring it into other environments that aren't political environments, you notice it more because those environments maybe are not, uh, like, fully noxious. And one of the noxious things about politics is, is uh, you know, back scratching. It's like uh, you worked on the Hillary campaign. Oh, I was, uh, you know, I worked on Hillary's super PAC. Let's, let's start a company. Or, oh, I'll invest in your company. I'm good at getting donors, right? And this is kind of how the world works, but it can't work this way when it comes to, like, official election results, to voting, to the integrity of our democracy, and that's what we saw fall apart in Iowa, and it's because Shadow was staffed by former political operatives, and I don't, you know, I haven't highly scrutinized their resumes to see how qualified they are, but the app was kind of crap. It was kind of weak. The pricing on it was also weird because, uh, it's cost more than 60,000 or even more than 200,000 to do something like this right. But a lot of times the political parties are underfunded. So they probably got what they could get and they knew that they were also getting funded through big, huge, dark money donors, right? And so they can subsidize their projects. They knew they were also getting funded by Pete Buttigieg for something or another. You know, they say it was text messaging. So does Biden, but Biden only spent like $1,500 and Buttigieg spent like 42000 So it's all like very conflicted, uh, shoddy work, um, very much a lack of transparency, and it affected our democracy and not in a partisan, you know, it's like, it's, I know it's a partisan caucus, but you can't fuck up how you treat people when they go to vote and how you treat their actual votes. It's not right. And I want to transition because there's a story that came out a few days ago that I was really interested in. And it's um, by Donia Sullivan, who I've uh, talked to a lot at CNN. The headline is, the Democrats' new online troll fighters make 2020 debut in Iowa. And oh, wow. It's, yeah. And this story says, and it's, you know, quoting people from the DNC, that the Democratic Party, the National Democratic Party, was in Iowa. They had something to tr uh, track, say, a technology to track uh, what words were trending so they could tamp down on misinformation. They supposedly had a plan to quickly respond online when people called things into question. And instead, what we've seen is an utter joke as the Democratic Party in Iowa has trickled out results uh, that are incomplete and then allowed, uh, in, and then the press has created a narrative where there's a winner who is not 
going to be the winner when the final results are tallied. And also who at Sanders uh, did a press conference Thursday morning pointing out that he was ahead by 6,000 actual votes. And everyone's playing around with this intermediate delegate math. Like at the end of the day, it may be that Sanders and Buttigieg are tied in delegates going out of Iowa, but Sanders clearly won the, the popular vote. The story uh, said that they were, they were looking for the word rigged. Uh, that one definitely was popping up from Republicans who really want to push the narrative that, that the Democrats bungled this, and unfortunately, they did bungle it. Yeah. Rigged um, is definitely a Trumpian kind of term, though. Rigged like is a Trumpian, Trumpian term, Trumpy, yeah. Trump supporters will say rigged. Uh, the left will say rat-fucked. Ah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, and I could. I had to resist because, I, like, I don't hate Pete Buttigieg. I just know that he can't win this primary, and I'm, like, not even really worried about him. But this, this story is important because it shows that the Democratic Party said they had these troll fighters, said they knew what was going on, said they were going to be transparent about the results that were going to be released that night, and they really, 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 really blew it. So um, then there's a, a happy story that I want to talk about for a minute, and um, that story just came out uh, today here on Thursday, and it the headline, this is from Vox Recode, and it says, Big Tech Opponent Bernie Sanders woo, raises more money from big tech employees than anyone else. Rank and file of every fucking industry, from Walmart to big tech to the U.S. military, wants Bernie Sanders. That's where the donations are flooding in from, from the employees. It's the big execs, the big owners the big investors that are backing other candidates. And the wheels are coming off for every campaign but Sanders. And it's amazing to see every industry so well represented. So in this, uh, the interesting points about this, so Sanders uh, in the fourth quarter of 2019 raised $270,000 from uh, employees of Google, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Twitter. And the... Uh, I think that one of the things I really wanted to see in this article was how many uh, people donated. It doesn't have that. You know, we know that uh, a lot of Sanders donors uh, are, donors are smaller. However, a lot of Sanders donors uh, can afford uh, to give more, and a lot of them have good credit. You know, people across the income spectrum, the 99% support Bernie Sanders. I maxed out this week to Bernie Sanders because uh, I knew I would do it by the by November. And he needs it now, right? You know, get that momentum going. So I put it on the fucking credit card and, and it's going to ride. You know, it's like $100 a month until, until November uh, left from, I've done 72. It was my 72nd contribution. But $270,000 from these five tech companies, very interesting. The employees of these companies are left wing. The owners are right wing. Walmart workers, active duty members of the military, tech workers, like, Sanders is going to roll up this election and it's amazing to see it finally like being reported and the uh, you know and it's it's like polls and most mainstream reporting they're lagging indicators you have to make it happen and then they write about it you can't wait for them to write about it right you have to make the news which is part of what I've been trying to do in my own activism these past uh, months about Facebook so let's talk about Facebook Facebook employees out of, so Twitter employees gave the least, but that's because it's a tiny little company compared to Facebook, Apple, Amazon, and Google in terms of number of employees. But Facebook gave way less money 
to politicians than these other presidential candidates. Facebook employees gave much less money to these presidential candidates than the Apple, Amazon, and Google employees. Uh, and Facebook was the only uh, one of those four to give more to Yang, twice as much than as to Sanders. Uh, and again, Warren comes in third here. Um, but it shows that Facebook employees uh, are, are skeptical of Sanders. They're also, um, I think of these four companies, they're the wealthiest uh, employees per, uh, by average, but probably close to Google. Um, so it's, that's an interesting metric, Google versus Facebook here. Um, and yeah, uh, more to Yang is like, they're not scared of Yang because he's the UBI guy, doesn't want to shit rock the boat. You know, he just wants to give people $1,000 to kind of uh, not, not rock the boat. Um, Sanders, but really you know, reflects, you know, Yang really reflects the, I, I think a, a theme that is, uh, that is treatable on our show. I think that he, that he re re reflects these techno utopian, uh, kind of. Right. And folks. I like him for that. I just think that, uh, he's been weak on Medicare for all. Um, sure. and he's, his UBI structure, which I don't know if we've talked about it here, but it, it's problematic. I, I am an advocate of something called the irreducible minimum which is that everyone mm -hmm. has their basic needs met uh, by society. Uh, and then you have freely circulating abundance on top of the irreducible minimum. Um, right, right. This is, you know, no, this is borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. Uh, and it's oh, also- it's borrowing a, from Peter Thiel a, to pay Paul, yeah, you know? Right, it's, yeah, it's basically yeah. like it's Peter Thiel loves this because it's like, give the poor a thousand, no one go to school, no one go mm -hmm. to university, just give them $1,000, right. let them, you know, rot in the countryside and in, in the, in the deindustrialized cities. And we'll just keep making money doing this tech thing. And the worst thing about the UBI proposal, because I don't like to dump on UBI. I think that uh, Andrew Yang has done a horrible disservice in this campaign, unfortunately, because I've been a U UBI advocate in the past. Because they say, oh, like, Adriel, if you have a job, I'll still give you $1,000 a month you know, from society. Mm -hmm. But if I don't have a job because I'm disabled, uh, or you lose uh, everything elderly. but that thousand dollars, and lose, this has you, always you keep been. it if it's bigger. Yeah, but you don't get the thousand. So if you're getting twelve hundred dollars from Social Security, tough luck because you're not getting twenty. You're not getting a thousand to get you to twenty two a month. You're only getting the twelve hundred. And this is like, it's like UBI that just punches down. And I'm really ashamed mm -hmm. of Andrew Yang. I'm really ashamed of Scott Stratton, who is a big UBI advocate who's self-funded from Patreon for being a UBI advocate and uh, actually blocked me on Twitter because I wouldn't let go of the fact that they are, uh, they are just attacking the poor. Well, they get so UBI. mad when you talk about it. And I mean, this has always been about uh, a libertarian narrative for UBI and uh, a left narrative for uh, uh, any kind of system that can get people's minimum needs met. Right, because giving $1,000 to everyone, including people who are disabled and get not enough money to live, would be helpful. But if you're going to, to uh, give money to, like, literally, like, the remaining Koch brother would get $1,000 uh, a month, but my brother, who gets uh, some small public assistance to get food, would not get that money if he took the $1,000. Just a tech tip 
for folks. And this is like a super simple one. A lot of people know this. Uh, in fact, a lot of tech platforms have started to just do this automatically, but it's still an issue uh, for your website. And I, one of the things, if you're a candidate for public office, if you're a consultant or an organizer or an activist who needs to make sure your candidate for public office you're supporting has a website, um, it's really important to think about the way that website loads. So last week we talked about uh, using WordPress Engine and using Cloudflare. Both of those, Cloudflare in particular, is about how fast your site loads, how smoothly it loads when someone goes to the URL. But also uh, the size of files that you insert or put on your website uh, matter. So photographs of your candidate in action, uh, profile photographs, they have to be big, but not too big. And this, it just kills me. Uh, Matt, I mean, kills me that when I try to help candidates so many times, I want to like charge the cheapest price I can afford to help them with, or I just want to give them some advice. I want to volunteer for an hour to help them get set up. Oh, believe me, and, I know you're, you uh -huh. are far too generous, sir. Far too generous. So this is another thing with the app. People do not know how to use technology. That if you're going to train a bunch of volunteers, hundreds of volunteers, you got to start months early. You have to walk with them. You have to do screen shares with them. You have to hold their hand. I did a training like a long time ago now, but it's still relevant um, for folks on how to use apps that allowed you to take pictures of like garbage on the street or a pothole and report them to the city. And for some of the people I was working with, it was the first time they'd ever used an app on their phone. There are still many people who don't have apps on their phone, and these people volunteer for elections. So you can't give them something that's so hard to use. It had all kinds of security, although I've now seen a report that says the security was very, very poor and that this app was highly hackable, but they had like dual factor. They had a lot of user side security, right? Not security in the app, but user side, where you have to have like dual factor authentication. And a lot of these folks who are trying to get the app installed on their phone couldn't do it. And they had a job to do, which was running a caucus, not fucking around with a crap app. And um, this is why, unfortunately, it's, it saddens me, but it's very true, is why like Microsoft has almost a pure monopoly on government software, although Amazon you know, has fought them on cloud uh, very, very effectively. Google has fought them on cloud and software. But uh, it's because like these bigger, older technology companies like know how to do this stuff, know how to test it, know how to deploy it. So what you need is transparency, transparent processes for purchasing this thing, and experienced companies and developers, not political apparatchiks or political allies uh, who you're going to you know, say, oh, you're a software developer. We need to help you know, with this, this thing that we do every four years. You know, and they're like, sure, we'll help you. you know, we'll do it. And it'll be great. That's what we're around for. We're techies you know, from campaigns. And then they like whiff it so bad. Okay, so almost totally lost my point. But campaigns often don't know a lot about technology. And here's a tip. You need photographs. Photographs are the way we communicate on the web. And we like, it's more important even than the words are your photographs. And if your photographs are huge, and by that I mean like five megabit, 300 DPI, or right, it's like the, 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 they're too, uh, the file itself is too large. It makes it hard to get on your website, hard for people to get it off your website, 
hard for people to load your website. So there's two things, three things you need. One is you need a lot of photos. They need to be good photos. They need to be on your website. And this is photos of people uh, hanging out with you, talking with you, you campaigning, you doing something that represents your values, uh, professional dress, casual dress, smiling, looking serious. Uh, these photos, if you want them to be used on the web, including on your own website as visuals, they should be 72 DPI and they should be about 12, eight to 1200 pixels wide. And that's 800 if it's like a headshot or a, you know, a, a, call a hero image of like maybe your torso up uh, and 1200 if they're like landscape, like photos out in the field. They can be smaller on the site itself. They can be 300 pixels on the site, but the file needs to be 800 to 1200 wide. Then you also want the press to be able to get photos of your candidate and print them. They need to be good photos. You don't have to have nearly as large a range because they're for one purpose. They're for the press to download and use. So good headshot, maybe one or two good action shots, your logo, those, when they're to be used by the press, and when I say the press, I mean they're going to print newspapers. They're going to use ink on paper. These should be 300 DPI, and they can be more like 2,400 wide. They can be big files because the press is going to download them. They're going to give them to uh, someone who works on images, and that person's going to give them to someone who runs ink through a press, and they're going to look great. Um, so this... This is like essential stuff. This will help you from Twitter to Facebook to um, you know CNN putting your stuff up, uh, and then also make sure you look good uh, when newspapers hit people's front door. Yeah.